0: This week on The Oral Hershizer, episode 55 of your favorite recovery talk show, KB and I welcome Kevin Miller, CEO of his own tech company, Grow. He has such an amazing recovery story, but you're really going to want to stay tuned to the very, very end of this episode. I just can't explain it, but if you're a loyal listener of this podcast, you'll totally understand why I had the reaction that I had to what Kevin had to say. And it's all brought to you by our sponsor, Brainwashed Coffee Company. Head on over to their website, brainwashedcoffeeco.com, and use the promo code Highway at checkout. You'll get $5 off your first order. Plus, if you order three or more bags, you'll get free shipping. All right, let's get into it. Get ready, get set, and let's go. This is your favorite recovery talk show, The Sober Highway Podcast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. So how's everything?
1: Yeah, I have a cat.
0: <laughs> can you hear me? I can hear you
1: just okay. fine. Yeah, I got a cat. He's t- he's 10 years old. His name is Kevin and he has two teeth.
0: Wait, you just got him.
1: I just got him like Friday. Oh. I went to the, uh, the shelter and I said, I need a cat. Can you show me your oldest cat? And they're like, yeah, it would be this one. And his name was Kelso when I got him. But Kelso is kind of like not the name, right? Kevin's a much better cat name.
0: whenever i think of whenever i think of kelso i think of that 70s show
1: yeah yeah i mean this this cat i'm sure he's smart and he's also quite Mm -hmm. you know you know like like uh what what's the guy ashton kuchar i mean this is a pretty smart cat but um but i think kevin is just a much it's just a better name for him he's wonderful so i've been so sad since i lost my dog back in november and i said okay well i can't get another dog because that wouldn't work out well but we can
0: do a cat Okay. He's very cool. So then... And he's just like a... He's just very... It looks like he's very cuddly. He sleeps with
1: his face in my face. I don't know what normal cat behavior is like, because I just had a bitchy cat before. Like, she didn't even care. She just was like... She would, like, let you pet her for two seconds, then she'd bite you and run away. So like that's the kind of cat that I'm used to. Her name was Millie. She was horribly behaved. Like she was a she was not a good cat. Uh, she was pretty, but she was not a good cat. So I got this kind of like ugly cat now. Maybe she captured. Friendlier.
0: Maybe she captured the essence of my grandmother because her name was Millie also. I'm, Millie, just, kidding. I'm well, just kidding. My my grandma my grandma Millie was a sweetheart.
1: Millie Millie was kind of a spicy, she was kind of a spicy, a spicy gal. This this cat just wants to sleep all day and also wants to be up on my chest in in the nighttime which is a little disconcerting because i'm not used to it and then i get like cat butt right in my face when i wake up in the morning and i'm you know it's not something i'm used
0: to got a nice big pussy on your face
1: (laughs) well he is drooly so it's also
0: it's It's a damp
1: it's also damp g-rated g-rated show here folks so anyway what about you how's your week been dan
0: um, <clears throat> well, it's been going well. Um, I sent out my, my groomsmen proposal boxes. Oh. Um, so some of them, they're already getting delivered. Um, I got two pictures in response already. Lovely. What'd you put
1: in there? Or or can you tell me?
0: Or, um, we'll prize. No, it's fine. Um, cause I doubt any of them. Anyone who listens to the podcast has already received their box. Right. So, um it was just like a small wooden box with their name and the wedding date uh-huh. um engraved on it and then inside the little box was a cigar.
1: Uh-huh. Oh what um, kind of cigar?
0: Um I believe it was a it was a Macanudo. Cuz I didn't want to spend too much on the cigars because um they didn't like. I bought the cigars like a month ago,
1: uh-huh. and you didn't have a mini hum. Did you I don't have, I don't have a hum. Yeah,
0: yeah, so like I didn't want to get anything crazy. I didn't. I only spent like ten bucks per stick. You but can like, get once a good go- cigar
1: for ten bucks each.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um. But when we go on the bachelor party, mm-hmm. we're probably we're probably all going to split a box, uh. and we'll just like we'll buy a box wherever we're at and just smoke them over the weekend. But, um. I'm a huge cigar fan, you know. I know, you told Love me, them. you told me. Um Love so them. yeah, so in the box is a cigar, a shot glass and one little nib of uh their favorite liquors. Oh. Cuz I went to college with all of them. So I know I know what they like, I know what they don't like. Um so yeah, I didn't really want to say that cuz Well, I, you know,
1: it's part of it's part of you know, here's the thing about sobriety is that like you can't, you can't shelter yourself away from things. Right. Mm -hmm. Like the world is going to continue Mm -hmm. without our permission as sober people. And Mm -hmm. you can't always put yourself in environments where there isn't alcohol. Like last night I was at even this film festival for, uh, it was like a, for the domestic violence shelter here. Okay. And it was like a women's film festival. And, and like every, every fucking place you go has booze. Um, and the film festival had booze and I was just like, you know, yeah, back in the day, it would have bothered me, but I got, and and I got an NA beer, and this is kind of this is kind of a spicy topic within the within the uh, uh, sobriety community. Like, is NA beer okay? It's 05 percent.
0: It depends right? on who you ask.
1: Yeah, I don't have a problem with it because, like, I don't want to drink. That's mm-hmm. not that's, and, and it doesn't trigger me to drink. But there are a lot of people that I know that even get triggered by stuff like kombucha, anything along those lines. Like, it makes it really difficult. So, you know, there's I there's just... a lot of debate.
0: Yeah, I, you know, in in hindsight, it's just like, the way I look at it is, yeah, I've said on the podcast before that, like, yeah, I'm not in recovery, but, you know, it's just, I don't want, I don't want people that listen to this to think like, oh, this guy's flaunting that he's able to drink, you know what I mean? And I honestly, because it honestly doesn't, like, it's not like that for me. Yeah. Um, cause like I've said before, like I could drink, I could not drink and it really doesn't affect me. If I went to my bachelor party and I didn't have a drop of alcohol, that would be perfectly fine.
1: I think it's really important for us who, for those of us who can't do what you're describing to understand, because there's kind of these like mythological people out there in the world that I think we kind of hear about. It's like, oh, oh, everybody drinks like I do. So honestly, I think there's a lot of value to you coming on here and talking about what a normal relationship or I, but it's hard to say like, what's a normal relationship with an intoxicating substance, right? Like,
0: cause everybody's, um, um you know, everybody's definition of normal is different, right? The term normal itself is subjective.
1: Yeah. And so uh, we can come on. Uh, he, here's the thing is that I think a lot of us justify our drinking by saying like, well, I drink like a normal person, or I drink, I've got it under under control. And then when we hear from somebody who actually does not have these problems, like you don't have an alcohol problem, um, to hear what your experience is like, you're like, oh, yeah, no, 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 I shouldn't drink. (laughs) (laughs) Because, because with so many of these folks, you know, Alcoholism looks different. It lo- it just looks different. Um, you can be drinking you can be the type of person who's at the liquor store waiting for it to open up at 7 a.m. or you can be the type of person who drinks once or twice a month but blacks out whenever you drink, right? It, ultimately what it comes down to is like, is it having a really negative impact on your life? And do you not want to keep doing it anymore? Or, you know, I don't know. There's not just one way.
0: Um, yeah, so there's that whole thing, that whole chestnut, and mm-hmm. then um the you know that that uh, douche canoe that I work with that's been giving me problems. Yeah, what happened to you? Yeah, there? we had no. I wish. Uh. Um, he just like ever since well, now now that he's got a a work cell phone that he has access to emails on, mm-hmm. he pokes and prods me from home now.
1: Oh, after hours.
0: Yeah, like he wasn't working on Saturday yesterday, and he was just sending very nasty emails like it just they just were not appropriate by any means and i was kind of doing those like you know how like you see those tiktoks about like oh passive aggressive work emails like when you say this it really means fuck you and stuff warm like that regards. Warm, regards warm regards or regards per my go-to per my last email yep um you know, so I was, like, saying things like that, and I don't know. He basically said, it's just, it's, I'll explain it after the fact, but it's long story spicy. short, he's just, yeah, things are just getting spicy, and yeah. um, they don't need to be. Um, And everybody's basically telling me the same thing, which is, don't, don't. Like he's he's trying to goat you into saying something or doing something that's gonna make you look bad so that he looks better. Yeah. So you just need to hold your tongue.
1: Man, that's hard though.
0: Office politics are the worst.
1: Like, I don't understand them. I don't navigate them well. That's why I love work from home because I don't have to actually be around people, you know. Put it in these contexts. Put it this
0: way. This guy I hate saying this C word. It's the second C word that I don't like. This guy is such a cancer. Like, to... like
1: astrological cancer or like a cancer within the...
0: As in like he brings everybody's oh. energy down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, he's said so many rude things. He's done so many rude things. He's done things that are very non-characteristic of someone that should be working in that position that he should have been fired a long time ago, but people dropped the ball when it came to documenting his behavior. Mm-hmm. And now he's just running amok.
1: And this so, is within the social worker, like mental health mm-hmm, domain that happens mm-hmm. so often.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We work with so, such vulnerable people. Yeah.
0: So that's why. I knew from the get go that I was going to have to find my way out of this hospital, mm-hmm. and I have. And now I just have to wait for the. Now I just have to wait for the transfer to happen, which should be hopefully this month.
1: Mm. So no more ER, or.
0: Um, so basically, like I'm going to be doing the same thing that I'm doing now, except instead of the ER, I'm going to be up on the inpatient floors. So it'll be a little bit oh. slower. I'll be part of. I'll be part of what they call a multidisciplinary treatment team
1: okay so so example I'm, I'm trying to understand like so uh, an example is somebody comes in and has
0: like a, a surgery of some kind and they're in the in, inpatient or something along those lines I'll uh, i'll explain it better to you okay say someone comes in for opioid withdrawal right mm-hmm. or let's say alcohol withdrawal mm-hmm. um sometimes you know like we can't the hospital won't admit someone just for alcohol withdrawal, but if the alcohol withdrawal is you know secondary to you know like if the person has a seizure disorder, if there's some sort of if the if there's some other medical issues going on with the person that warrants an admission, they'll admit the patient, and then when the patient gets upstairs, they'll put in a an um an addiction services consult. And that's when, at my new position, I would go and meet with the patient. Mm -hmm. I would work with the attending up there. I would work with the nurses, whatever up there, and make sure that when this person is ready to be discharged, Mm -hmm. instead of, say, being discharged to home, they could be discharged to rehab.
1: Okay. Okay, let me ask you this real quick. That's surprising to me. You can't get admitted to the hospital for alcohol withdrawals? Seems like a pretty serious thing.
0: I agree. I agree. The hospital used to have a chemical dependency unit where you could send them and they it's basically just a detox floor. Mm-hmm.
1: The mm-hmm. problem
0: with it is is people would treat it like a motel. So uh, a I city- don't
1: want to live in capitalism anymore.
0: <laughs> so the way the way I saw the way I look at it is who cares? As long as the beds are full. The hospital's making money, what do you care?
1: yeah, and those people obviously need something and they need it
0: if they're coming back
1: that often okay,
0: okay. right okay. so as long as as long as the patient is like the person is the person's withdrawal is medicated, we can then refer them out to another program that will come pick the patient up and provide the detox service
2: mm-hmm.
0: um but say the person's in alcohol withdrawal and I don't know they go into cardiac arrest, yeah, I don't know, right, yeah they gotta go upstairs, like if you come in cardiac arrest or respiratory arrest, right, which could happen with an opioid overdose, chances are you're getting admitted, and you know once they narcan you, you're gonna go into withdrawal anyway, so they're prob- they'll detox you while you're upstairs anyway.
1: oh, is that a spicy? I bet that's an unpleasant experience the, with what do you the mean nar- with
0: the narcan? Because oh, can't yeah. you
1: overdose twice? Wasn't that you that put that on TikTok?
0: Yes, I did. Can, so
1: okay, tell us about that.
0: Right. So Narcan is really only supposed to last like thirty to forty minutes. <laughs> so say you get a really strong batch of dope, and you're injecting it. Let's just say hypothetically you're injecting it, right? And say someone Narcans you. You if if you don't call nine one one right away. That, before that person gets to the hospital again, they could overdose a second time before, you know, before that per you know, before, they don't even have to use again. Because the Narcan you know?
1: has metabolized out the of Narcan. the body.
0: Exactly. Because
1: mm-hmm.
0: essentially, like, the... I don't remember if the Narcan is supposed to block the opioid receptors, or if it's just to reverse the effect of the overdose. But regardless... I mean, we have it at the hospital. The EM, like the EMTs carry it on the on the back of the ambulance, so they'll get it regardless. Um, but Kevin is here, so let's bring him in. Heck yeah! Hey, Kevin, can you hear us?
2: Yes, I can. How are you? How are you guys awesome. doing? We're doing great.
0: Great,
1: great.
2: Al-
1: Kevin, I just got a cat who's also named Kevin. Would oh great! Would you like to meet? Would uh, yeah, you like please. To meet? please. <laughs> okay, let me show you. He's, he's he probably has the same wonderful personality as you do come here, come here come here come here this was just a, a fabulous coincidence I got him on Friday
2: eh? Eh? oh my gosh I love he's it. an
1: unremarkable cat but he's very sweet and his name is also Kevin so. looks, anyway, he looks welcome extremely
2: to the show. sweet thank you thank you for yes. having me <laughs> great way so, to be introduced yeah <laughs> uh
0: so why don't you why don't we start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners tell us a little tell them a little bit about yourself and then we'll go
2: from there Okay, cool. Yeah, so <clears throat> uh, my name is Kevin Miller. I grew up in Ormond Beach, Florida. Um, I went to college at Georgetown University, um, and uh, now I live out in Los Angeles. Been here for about five years. I spent four years in San Francisco prior to that, um, and yeah, I got I just celebrated my six year um, sobriety birthday on March first. Um, Congratulations! Thank you, thank you, and uh, got a meeting actually in Hollywood right after this, and. Um, yeah, now I'm the co-founder and CEO of a company called Grow.com, and we're a digital marketing agency focusing on SEO.
0: That's pretty freaking cool. I'm sure I'm sure KB knows what that means. I, I really don't.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, don't <laughs> I was an SEO content writer for a hot second for a bunch of attorneys, which helped me learn all of my legal rights. That's okay,
2: like, nice. Well, all, all it means is we help people rank number one on Google for whatever keywords matter to their business. So it could be like protein oh. powder, it could be... You know, anything, candles, anything like that.
0: So SEO stands for search engine optimization. optimization. Yep. Yep. Correct. Oh, <laughs> oh I, can...
2: ooh, ooh, ten okay. ten. I like it. I like it. You you know more than you think you do.
0: You know, I, you know, I, I like, I call myself a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Yep. Yep. Which is still um, better yeah.
1: than a master of one. That's the full, that's it the is. full saying. You yes, know?
0: it is. Yes. Yeah. So why don't you uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your recovery story? If you're tell us as much as you feel comfortable with.
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, I so when I grew up in Florida, it was easier to get a 30 milligram Roxy uh, than it was a beer. And um, and yeah, it started out when I was like six, you know, 16, 17 years old. I remember people saying, hey, like, we'll buy you, you know, in my friend group, they're like, all right, the person who agrees to be the designated driver, you'll get a free Oxycontin and the rest of us can drink. Um, And that was like the (laughs) uh, trade-off of of who would decide to drink. And, um, you know, looking back now, you see all these documentaries on the opioid epidemic. um, And we didn't realize we were living in the middle of it at that time. But it was really uh, bad in South Florida. It just made its way down to Central Florida, where I grew up. Um, and yeah, I mean, when I first, uh, you know, got introduced to that and Xanax, those are my two things. You know, I, I felt like I was on top of the world. I felt like I found God, you know, all of a sudden all my insecurities, uh, you know, melted away. I felt supreme confidence. My body felt warm. I felt content. I, you know, I, I was enjoying life finally. I didn't have to feel uncomfortable at any point, um, I was never hung over, you know, I, all these, I felt like I had uh if you've ever, ever seen the movie limitless with Bradley Cooper, I felt like I found my limitless pill, you know, it was really
0: limitless. I'm going to write that down.
2: It was almost <laughs> identical to that. In that movie, you know, he, that pill allows him to, um, you know, crush it in like the stock market. But for me, it was just like a, a cheat code for life. Um, and Yeah. And so it got uh, pretty serious pretty quickly. Like a lot of my friends either ended up overdosing and and dying or they went to rehab or they went to jail. I only had about two years of using in Florida before I went to college. And I went to college in Washington, DC. My parents didn't want me to go in the state of Florida. That was kind of like a blessing. But all it did really was prolong my ability to use. Um, So I went to DC. I didn't know anybody. I found myself in the ghettos of DC finding these pills. And for any addicts, you know you know you can pretty much be dropped anywhere and you can find pills no matter what uh just i was to kind of, just
0: gonna say that yeah
2: yeah just kind of a matter of time but the thing that really pissed me off was it was harder you know and it was more dangerous and it wasn't more expensive because at uf and florida state where all my contacts were uh, you know in, in in daytona beach it was so much easier and it was pretty much unlimited the access that i had to it um but yeah, it's uh it was still just recreational at that time through college. I was able to graduate, it wasn't a big problem, but I was partying all the time. I thought I was just having a good time. Um, and then I moved to San Francisco and you know, it followed me there. They they call, you know, in AA they call it pulling a geographic. I thought that moving to a new place, uh, it wouldn't follow me. It did. I spent two and a half years Pulling a
0: Geographic. Interesting.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I spent two and a half years um Thinking that alcohol and drugs were different as it relates to like being able to use one without the other I, I just thought I could drink alcohol and smoke weed and not do pills. I knew at that point in San Francisco that pills were a problem for me, but um I didn't think that I thought you know stopping you know the use of alcohol and getting drinks on a Friday night and a happy hour with my friends that was a little bit too ridiculous, you know because I didn't have any crazy consequences yet at this point um and so I went to AA because I had hit some emotional bottoms and I had gotten in a lot of trouble with my family. Um, but when I went to AA, I felt like these guys are, these people are, are not like me These men and women used harder drugs, came from different backgrounds. I saw all the differences and I'm like, I'm just not like these people, you know? Right. Um, mm-hmm. I really felt like I was the exception to 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 the rule, even though all my friends were like, you know, in rehab or dead, I felt like, you know, they were they were using heroin with needles. I'm afraid of needles, you know. I I'm not like them. It's it just I, I found a lot of different ways to justify it. But then I found myself in the Tenderloin, which I don't know if you guys have ever been to San Francisco, but that's like the the ghetto of San Francisco, and in Oakland, I found myself there alone getting pills. Uh, you know, every couple of days and I, and all my money was going to the use of Oxycontin and Xanax. Um, and slowly but surely it just took over until I reached a point where I was emotionally bankrupt. And I, I spent every dollar, you know, I was working at Google at the time and I was going into the bathroom with Google and sorting these, these Roxy's. And, uh, I was just high all the time and had nothing, uh, to my name. And I reached a point where I don't know what happened. But one day I I, my brain just wasn't working. My brain like wasn't functioning. And I, uh, I think it was the guilt. I think in knowing I was doing something I shouldn't do I I, I had finally met like a dead end where I just had enough. Um, And I was finally willing to basically surrender. And my story is a little bit odd, because I never went to a formal rehab. What happened was (laughs) I, which which was a big deal for me. I thought I had a high bottom. I, I I still wasn't an alcoholic. I didn't go to rehab like everybody else. I didn't earn my seat in AA. I've since moved past that, but that that bothered me for a while. It just shows you I'll use anything to justify me not being an alcoholic. But uh, I called my mom and I said I don't I don't have any money. I can't pay my rent, but I have a I have a problem, and I'm I'm willing to admit it. So I I flew home to Florida, and I. My best friend had gotten sober th- three years before me. I called him and said, can you just set me up with your sponsor in town? And I went to meetings every day from that point on. Um, and um, I came back to San Francisco a month later, spent a month at home. And uh, it was miserable, but I was like detoxing and and you know went to a meeting at 6 a.m. at this place called the Dry Dock in San Francisco. And I met these two girls and they set me up with, uh their community of guys and and girls who helped me stay sober and so that's a long story short of kind of like how I got into it but I learned that yeah if you just go to AA and you do the steps and you get a sponsor and you get a sponsee and you I decided that like at that day that time like I wasn't going to drink and use under any for for any reason and I was like really 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 serious about it um And so that's like a bit into my story of kind of what happened and where I'm at, where I'm at now. I guess I'll pause there. Um.
0: I will, I will admit your, your story that you just shared with us is a true testament to the fact that everybody's recovery program is different, Mm -hmm. right? You Mm -hmm. don't like some people do, some people do recovery with rehab. Some people do it without some people Uh do it with, with 12 step. Some people do it without. Some people can just do it on their own. Yeah. You know, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel, you know, I just, you, it seems to me like you've owned that recovery story. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah.
2: Well, when I went to like, I I used to go to narcotics anonymous and I wanted to have the hardest story in there. And I didn't,
0: (laughs) everybody, there's always someone out there that has a worse story.
2: Everybody else went to jail. I felt like I didn't fit in and yeah, but you're right. I mean, it just shows you like, it doesn't discriminate who knows. There's so many different ways to, to get clean and sober, but my life was unmanageable and I was, I was miserable. I, I didn't know what I was going to do.
1: Kevin, a big part of my recovery story is that the people at work told me, they were like, hey, you might have a problem. Like, uh. like, just people that I knew at work. Was that part of your experience as well? Like, in a professional context, anybody ever notice anything? Or-
2: well, yeah, it definitely happened in my friend group. I, and my closest friends came to me and said, we don't know what's going on. Because I, my, my MO, I was like James Bond. If I could get away with anything, I mean, I was serious about it, like mm-hmm. I, you couldn't it was not easy to catch me, it was not easy to to like yeah i I wasn't caught slipping, I wasn't sloppy in any way, but yeah, my friend group had started first where they said we don't know what's going on, but we don't want to hang we don't want to be around you anymore because you're oh. being your your behavior is too odd and weird, we could tell something's wrong, and you won't admit it and then at work, um yeah, I don't know, I mean i I was using with a, with a lot of coworkers and um, and I had some instances where managers would, you know, I'd fall asleep in like one-on-one meetings and I couldn't, you know, they just didn't really know what was going on, but there was never, never got caught, you know, with drugs at work or anything like that. But I know that my work product suffered a lot and I, and I thought in my head I was getting over on, you know, my manager or other people Mm -hmm. and it wasn't the case.
1: Yeah, I think there's this concept because throughout my own recovery, like I never I never went to rehab either or anything along these lines, which, like, you know, everybody's again, everybody's uh, experience looks different. But I think there's this concept that like in order to have these these issues in our lives that our that everything has to tank, you know, you have to lose your house, you have to lose your car. You have to. And and that's not been my experience, but I only by the grace of God do I walk (laughs) without those consequences. Right. Um, And so, so I think it's really important to hear those stories and not not to be like, oh, hey, there's, you know. A benefit to having a high bottom, or you know, whatever those. We're not in a competition to see who's yeah. The sickest. Yeah, right? totally, totally. But like, there are there are people of all walks of life who are really, really suffering. It's not just like, oh, things are a little bit of a
2: problem, right? Yeah, no. yeah, of course, yeah. of course.
0: <clears throat> Sorry, the the drink went down the wrong tube. <laughs>
2: oh, it happens to me all the time.
1: So okay. Oh so my so- gosh. So six right. years, six years sober, what has changed for you since it, because we heard it, so, it sounded like a, like a little bit of a challenge, right? Like, like, yeah. like, can you tell us a little bit about what early sobriety felt like, you know, and, and the traction that you were able to get during that period of time and maybe what has changed since then? It, it was miserable.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, uh, I like, don't sugarcoat that. Cause I want people to know if they're new, like, yeah, you should be prepared. Like it might not be it might not it immediately get better. You know, I, I, what's changed is I now have a, a com- more confidence in myself. Um, and I feel more comfortable in my own skin. You know, I was so embarrassed. I was so, uh, yeah. Embarrassed is the right word. I think I was so just not comfortable with the fact that I was sober. I didn't want to talk about it, especially in a work setting. You know, this year is the first year I, I wrote a note on LinkedIn about it. Um, you know my my first year of sobriety, I worked at a company, and no one knew at all. I was like ducking out of happy hours, I was hiding it from people. I was so i I, I couldn't admit admit it to other people. It was too embarrassing. Um, and i I felt so just like guilty and and I felt like I was a loser, basically, for lack of a better word. And then I realized that there were people in the rooms that were cool, that were sober, that were owning it, like you were saying, you know that were that found a way to own their sobriety and make it cool and that was when like kind of the lights went on for me but you know it was daunting having to go to meetings every day when is this going to end does this go on for all of my sobriety um am I ever going to get to relax are vacations ever going to be the same what about a wedding will I ever get married uh how do you date sober I mean my mind just went a million miles a minute with all these questions and then I realized that I couldn't answer them all and I had to take it just one day at a time and that's what helped me mm-hmm. helped me to just you know take life in stride and accept that I don't have all the answers today but yeah it was pretty miserable in the beginning especially Friday nights weekends uh you know I got I got sober at age 24 so my friends were all partying really hard at that time so it was very mm-hmm. difficult to find stuff to do that was fun now I can go to those events have no problem and still enjoy it but it, it took me a long time. It really took me multiple years to be able to enjoy myself in those types of settings. And it was all by, through osmosis, watching other people that I looked up to that I thought were cool, have fun in those types of environments and own it themselves. And then I learned how to do it from them.
1: Oh yeah, that's, that's, delightful because dan and i were just talking even before you came on last night i went to like a charitable event and of course there's alcohol there and i i reflected on it and i, w- I was thinking gosh you know two three years ago there's no way i would you know i'd be crawling the walls or i would have left immediately if i saw everybody drinking but now it's a little bit different i you know feel secure in my sobriety and yep. it's like I'm, I'm confident with this and it's okay like I, I know i have my own car i can leave if i need to yes. right? but alcohol Alcohol is still such, and especially in tech, because I'm in tech too, Okay, it's still such an important part of the work culture. It is. So how do you, how do you navigate that particularly?
2: Okay. So I used to really struggle with that too, because I always thought if I smoked a joint or drank and got messed up with a coworker, we were able to bond on like a different level, you know, and it made it more fun mm-hmm. to come into work. Cause you're like, that's my girl or that's my guy. Um, but you know what? The same is achievable by talking about your sobriety with that person um because they might not be sober but they'll tell you something else about their life that's personal and it it, it achieves the same effect in fact mm-hmm. it's, it probably allows you to get closer but it just takes a little bit longer to get that out of someone but the vulnerability i i found that if you're comfortable in again it all comes down to owning it like when i was able to finally own my <clears> sobriety if I said something super vulnerable to Dan, it encourages him to say something vulnerable to me and now we've we've bonded on a level that is deeper than probably any of our other coworkers. So, that that, that helped sense. a lot, but you really had to put yourself out there and then for those people listening who might be trying this, there are instances where people will think, you know, it it's weird that you don't drink. And I had to and I got some negative reactions and I had to mm-hmm. accept, accept those and and not let it ruin my whole day, you know, not let, not carry it with me. Like they might have, I found that people who really get upset by the fact that I'm not drinking probably have a drinking problem themselves nine times out of 10. Um, and point. if they think I'm weird for not drinking, it's just not my problem. I, I, I've learned it's just not my problem and I don't have to feel bad about it.
1: What other people think about you isn't your business, right? Isn't that the- it's not my business.
2: <laughs> but I really 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 care about that. You know, I'm still working I'm doing another fifth step. I'm in the middle of my fourth and fifth with my sponsor again and mm-hmm. we're we're working on that exact thing. What other people think about me and mm-hmm. how to how to not worry about that, you know.
1: Now there's probably many folks that are listening who don't realize that. So I got sober in the rooms of AA. Um, I have not repeated the steps, but I know that there are a lot of, there's a lot of validity behind it. And there's a lot of people who feel like going back and revisiting that yeah. makes a lot of sense. So, so there might be people who don't know that that's the case here. So can you tell us about reworking the
2: steps? Yeah. So I always thought, you know, you do the 12 steps and and then you're done. Um, but my sponsor now kind of informed me that you want to always be working the steps. You never finished, and it's constant. It's a constant loop. And again, just like Dan said, people, <clears> I, I didn't. I got sober in a different fashion than other people. Some people don't redo the steps. That's <laughs> a, there's a million different ways to do the program, you know. But the merits that I've understood is just that. Um, for me, I, I, I forgot. You know what helps me right now doing the steps is. With my sponsor, I then take the assignment and I give them to my sponsees. And it's very fresh in my head. And it's like, okay, yesterday I did a fears list. Here, I now know how to do it. Now I can tell my sponsee how to do it. That, that's the benefit for me right now.
0: See one, see one, do one, teach one.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So exactly what that is. That's obviously why I do it now. Uh, and yeah, I don't want to, my life has changed a lot in ways where my business success has improved a lot since I've been getting sober. And I think that I'm at a pretty, I think it's a, it's very common for people to get a lot of gifts and sobriety and forget why they got sober and just go right back to, you know, before you know it, you're having a gin and tonic at the bar that, that that's me. I, I, I think it's very possible for me to do that. And so I try to rework the steps to remind myself what, how bad it really was you know, and Mm -hmm. all the ways I was unmanageable, because it's very easy for me to forget that I would wake up and my breakfast would be, you know, 90 milligrams of Oxycontin before going to Google. Uh, That's not normal. Most Americans who are healthy and doing the right thing, they don't they don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. And you know,
0: what's what's interesting, though, is I, I first of all, I always thought that you know, because you said that you would, you were from originally from Florida. Yep, I thought that the southeast was. Re- I didn't know that Percocet and Xanax were as big down there. I thought it was all like methamphetamines mm. and cocaine and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, well, you know, Miami is huge for cocaine, right? Because it's just it's 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 you know deeply involved with all the drug cartels. Mm-hmm. Um, and meth has been always, I think, at a steady level in that, in those areas, but um yeah i don't know it really broke out in south florida because all the pain clinics were there you could just walk into any pain clinic and get scripts and then and then uh it was big in new jersey too i just watched a documentary on hulu called dope sick where they documented this oh you know
0: what we were we were in the middle of doing a review of that of that uh Of that documentary yeah we got through like the first two episodes and then we stopped watching it i i gotta finish that but you
2: know it was really slow it was super super slow it was actually really hard for me to get through it the only reason i got through it was because i i had a personal connection to it and i wanted to see what really happened but Mm -hmm. um yeah it was good it just uh during that those years of 2008 to 2016 is when the, you know, the, the painkillers really rode the wave in Florida and everybody died, you know, or they or they went into rehab or they went, you know, just <clears throat> crime shot up. It was all predicated on these, you know, 30 milligram Oxycontin pills. That was the, that was the most popular thing.
0: Mhm. Yep. The 30, the 30 milligrams are, are just as bad up, up here in New York too. What part we- of New York are you in? I'm on Long Island.
2: Oh, okay. My mom's from Hicksville. My
0: cousins live in Long Island. <laughs> I used to take the train from Hicksville every day. Oh wow. Okay. Um I live in I live in Mineola now, um, which is like a stop or two before Hicksville. Okay. Uh, but um but yeah, they they um I remember I was working at an outpatient program and we had <clears throat> we had a patient come in and she told me when she told like generally we don't accept patients that come in with that like carrying prescriptions for controlled substances Mm -hmm. just because that just sets people up for failure um and so she told us she was like yeah i had this knee surgery and i'm on she was prescribed uh, four thirty milligram Percocets per day. Oh my and she gosh! Was being, and she was being given nine a three month supply at a time.
2: Yeah, it's impossible not to be addicted and, to that. Impossible.
0: And on top of that, she was also being given eight milligram eight four two milligram Xanax bars per day, and she was being given a ninety day supply. So sounds like we hell found we that out
2: hell at the same time.
0: <laughs> when when we found that out, because we our psychiatrist ran her like we have the prescription monitoring system here in new york so when our psychiatrist ran her name through that system and saw that she was getting all of these prescriptions like clockwork we called the doctor up it took us a month or so to get a hold of him but she he was like yeah you know i usually give that i usually give that same script to all my patients and i'm like and sure enough that guy is actually in jail now in jail
2: now yeah well so back then In 2010, 11, uh, Florida was the only state in the U.S. with no prescription monitoring system. So you could doctor shop and there was no way to detect it. That's why everyone flocked there.
1: I mean, even here in Western Colorado, we've had physicians who have who have faced legal consequences because of the way that they've been impacting our communities. It's not it's you know who you know who's who's the biggest uh, offender out here, though, is dentists. Mm. um that you wouldn't expect but their dentists here are throwing oxy at everybody like it, or in yeah. my g my gp tried to adjust some medication for me recently she's like oh we'll just put you on some benzos for like a week and then and i'm like "Whoa, i don't know if you've met me before but the answer yeah. that is gonna be no, no.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah my, my an <laughs> orthodontist kb what are you trying to say about dentists <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, it's not, hashtag not all dentists but like for real <laughs> like, it's it's She's the ones that well. the ones out here though that man they'll throw they'll throw oxys at you
2: for for a, a cavity yeah. and i'm like stop and that's just no. way too aggressive it's not necessary at all it's yeah. it's wild
0: i remember reading a stat a few years ago that was like it said that the united states prescribes 80
2: yes of the world's yes medication of opioids yep yep That's wild.
0: Did you imagine that?
2: I, I, you know, it makes, yeah, it's totally unnecessary. I remember reading that too. It's a shocking stat. Are you, are you a sports guy? Yeah, I'm a big basketball fan. I'm a Orlando magic since I grew up around there. Fair enough. Go to some Laker games out here. Um, And um, yeah, a Jacksonville Jaguar fan. If you can believe it, those two teams,
0: there you go. You know, let me tell you something. (laughs) It's, it being a Jets fan. Yeah. I, I totally understand what it's like to be a Jaguars fan. Yeah. Um, but the reason why I ask, especially cause now that you're living out in LA, I'm sure you've heard about this whole, the whole thing with, um, that, uh, pitcher Tyler Skaggs
2: from the, yes, from the of Angels. course, of course. Yeah. I knew people who knew him. Really? Yeah.
0: It's absolutely ridiculous how like, it like addiction itself just transcends all walks of life. It doesn't matter who you are, the color of your skin, how much you make. Yep. It just it, it'll it get you.
2: Oh, I'm reading this story now. Yeah. they So they they had the trial.
0: Yeah. The guy who the guy who gave him the pills was convicted, I think.
2: Yep. 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 Oh,
0: I don't know how much. I don't know how much he's going to get, but apparently 20 years of, or, or more. Oh, my goodness.
1: Fentanyl. Yikes. Yeah. You know, I used to work at the Sports Medicine Research and Testing Lab, which is where they test MLB, NFL, and Olympic athletes for things Is there anything you
0: didn't or haven't done? No, nope. I
1: have. I have. I have. Seriously. I have Not actual ADHD, so I can't. I don't. I can't hold it down. Anyway, so I worked <laughs> at this lab. I worked at this lab, and and I'll tell you the percentage of athletes that are on serious painkillers yeah. because they are in serious pain. You know what I mean? Um, and, and it just really it really opened my eyes. It was like it was like 30, 40 percent of the samples that we ran had traces of like serious, serious stuff. And I was like, well, you know, they're they're putting their bodies all the way on the line. But that doesn't make it OK.
2: Yeah. I mean, look at this. This story is basically saying like these other two people were involved. And Matt
0: Harvey was one of them. Skaggs, and he was one of
2: the- yeah. Matt Skaggs. Harvey
0: was one of the Mets studs. Yeah, I was and, so sad to hear that.
2: And Scaggs would pay for the drugs, and then he wouldn't. The exchange was he wouldn't have to go get them, which is totally like that is cl- that's exactly what I would do. <laughs> you know, so I wouldn't have to deal with the with the drug dealers, and I would just get it. And you know, the money didn't matter because you're a pro. You know, you're in the MLB. It's just crazy.
0: I, There's just can, zero can we, accountability. I'm going to ask you
1: something because it sounds okay. Th- this may be this may be a bit of a reach. But I feel like a lot of addicts and alcoholics, we share this, we're very good at networking, and at creating systems. So I'm going to this may be an audacious question. But do you think that some of the skills that you you you're describing, like a business interaction? Is there like a natural transition into the business world? Like does your is that just how your brain works? And does that help you? Does that make sense?
2: Well, I think that I was just saying this to a friend of mine two nights ago that I've never met an addict that's dumb, that I felt wasn't mm. really intelligent. Never, not not once uh, have I met someone who wasn't incredibly intelligent that, you know, was dealing with an addiction or alcoholism. So maybe there's something there. But specifically in my line of work, you know, we, we're signing up clients. It's a people <clears throat> business, both internally and externally. I think that drug addicts and alcoholics have a good ability innate ability to connect with other people, and that's a lot of the same skills that i I use, so I connect with people people are buying our services because they think we're good at digital marketing, but really it's do I connect with Kevin you know, and do they connect with their account manager and their team that's working with them and I think it I think it, there is definitely a correlation, it definitely helps, and you know addicts and alcoholics just don't, don't do things in a half measured or half-assed manner you know so i think in business you're willing to go farther you're willing to work harder you're willing to do more than the average person you're and you're able to outlast them you know Mm. you look Mm -hmm. at mike tyson he's a addict alcoholic he's you know he was crazier than everybody else so he was able to to have just that legendary career he's just crazier and sometimes that's what you need
0: I mean, you bit someone's ear off exactly. Exactly. It's it's funny you actually mentioned that KB because I remember um this is all just going back to my like my my clinical experience. Mm-hmm. I actually used to play a game with my patients in group therapy called the Art of Manipulation. And basically Ooh. what we used what I used to do was I would give them something to sell with like and but the thing had like something wrong with it. Mm-hmm. and i would like for example it was like a refrigerator missing the doors um uh, a house with a hole in the roof um a car with only two wheels uh some uh you know a cell phone with a busted screen and then what i would do is i would bring in one of my colleagues that would you know would would come in and would listen to these people to my patients pitch this pitch their item oh but the trick God. was they could <laughs> say whatever they wanted about the item as long as it was true they could embellish the truth, but they couldn't mm. lie mm. right so for example, someone who who got the house, they were like, um you know open concept layout, lots of natural light skylight things right? like you know like <laughs> na you know all that type of stuff like um so and then at the end, my colleague would then pick which which team had the best sales pitch, and then obviously you got to bring it full circle and say, why did we?" Play this game, and it was to show that all the skills that you used to use to manipulate people while you were in, you know, that deep addiction, you can actually turn around and make into a positive.
1: Mm, There's like a virtuous way of applying those skills. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Well, I find a lot of folks gravitating towards networking-heavy professions. Um, You know, we've had a lot of people in tech. On this mm-hmm. show, we've got mm-hmm. a lot of people in healthcare, but I'm just curious about that because so I myself am f- believe that I'm a strong networker and I'm like, oh, this helped me get all kinds of things that I probably shouldn't have had my hands on in the yeah. past, right? Yeah. <laughs> so like, how do you use those same skills or proclivities to be successful in everyday life? Like, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. You just, how do you, how do you apply those things to be a more productive member of, of the community? Yeah.
2: To- totally. Just has to be pointed in the right direction. I think a lot of addicts and alcoholics are easy to get along with and are people persons, like I mentioned. So it just if, are you using it to deceive and manipulate or are you using it in a genuine way? And just, you mm-hmm. know, when pointed in the right direction and my, and my business partner, my co-founder is also sober. We met in, a, in AA five years ago. So Congrats. I think that that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's helpful too, because our culture is very transparent and open and people feel like they can come to us with a lot of their personal problems. And not feel like they're going to get fired or or be, uh, you know, negated for a promotion because of that. We don't view it as like a weakness. We just say, okay, what's your problem? Do I have a resource that can help solve it? Okay, cool. Then let's keep moving.
1: What a wonderful way to do business.
2: I agree. Yeah. So it's it's just better better that way. I think it's better that way.
0: Can Can you tell us the story about how you started Grow?
2: Yeah, so I um was working for a company called open door and i don't know if you guys have ever heard of it they may be in new york they may be in colorado it helps you buy and sell your homes really easily so if you have if you if you guys own your home right now you go to their website you put in your your address they'll make an offer to buy it and then it's just an easy way to sell without a realtor
0: wait 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 so you would go to this website, opendoor.com, yep. I'm assuming? Yep. And you would say, this is my house, and yep. Opendoor will say, so it's like Kelly Blue Book for houses?
2: Yeah, it'll be like, great, tell me about it. How many beds, how many baths, when did you buy it, what condition is it in, et cetera, et cetera. And then they'll make an offer to buy it directly from you to that save, is... you, save you That's money. That's pretty on... wicked. Yeah, and then they'll help you buy your next house. They'll help you get a mortgage. It's a full, you know, Everything you need, to, you need on the buying and selling of a house, they do. And they're a That's newly really public cool. public company. And um, when I started to work there, I moved to LA for the job. They said, you're in charge of organic search, SEO. And so I said, okay, cool. So I was competing with Zillow and Trulia and Redfin. And I became fascinated by the subject matter because you can't buy great SEO, meaning you can't just <laughs> pay someone to rank number one. There's ads that, you know, you can use, which is what I used to do at Google, but this is all, you know, ranking number one on Google is the art of making sure you have the best result for the consumer for a particular mm-hmm. keyword. So, um, it's often like where David can compete with Goliath. If you have a better experience, if you have a blog post that answers, you know, the temp, top 10 things you need to think of, or, you know, keep in mind for your home inspection. Or, you know, things of that nature, if, if your information is better and more thorough, you'll outrank a bigger name like a Zillow. So I became fascinated with that. And I started networking in Los Angeles. And one day one of my friends called me and said, hey, there's this vitamin company called Ritual.com. Um, they sell women's vitamins. They're looking for help with, with search engine optimization. Would you help them? And so I did. And they were really well known at the time. This was like in 2019. Uh, when direct to consumer e commerce businesses were starting to flourish and become more popular, and they were one of the most popular ones and It was run by a group of really badass accomplished women and I got along with them really well. we started to do amazing work they started to rank in the top three for women's multivitamin prenatal vitamins everything that you could you could think of in that category and At the same time, my business partner now was was doing freelance. SEO work as well for two or three clients, and so we determined that there was just not many reputable agencies that do SEO and specialize in that. There's tons that do Facebook ads, tons that do Google ads, um, but there were very few that were trustworthy that focused just on this subject matter. And so we felt like not only are we really, really passionate about it, and we've studied everything we can, um, but I we started the company like a year and a half after I, you know became fascinated with it. So I started my own websites. A couple of them failed. One of them ended up working. Um, and just through trial and error for probably 18 months, um, he and I just then decided to team up and started together. And so we started grow on April 2nd of
0: 2020.
2: Damn. Yeah. So honestly, it just became about because we were just obsessed, literally obsessed, 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 obsessed over – how to get a website to rank well and do great client work and honestly we enjoy the client work so much interacting with people the business owners that we work with they're all so eccentric i mean they they all have a really wild story you know and most of them aren't in the program but they are just nutcases and we love that i love being around characters cuz they're so fascinating hearing how they started their business hearing what you know th- there's always a compelling story from like a business owner
0: business owners tend
2: to have those stories.
0: You can't tell us who some of your clients are, right?
2: No, I'm happy to. We have uh the owners of Venus A Fleur. I don't know if you guys have ever seen them. They they sell roses where the smell lasts for a year. Oh. Go- yeah.
1: Hey, if I Google it
0: right now, I bet it's gonna come up at Yeah, uh, I it, I will, it will, it will,
2: it will. Um, I
0: literally no. just, I literally just type in roses that, and then it says roses that last a year. It's the top thing.
2: And that's them. That's us. Yep. Even. So, yep. yeah, oh, that's that's crazy. Crazy. if you, if you have a gift for a significant other or a loved one or your mom, that's the gift that is by far, people love it. And the smell, the scent, I'm not kidding. It, it genuinely lasts for 12 months. That is
1: wild. Holy shit. This, so,
2: whoever this is would be a fun person to work with. Oh, yeah. So they're amazing. You know, we hear about their founding story. It's just, it's so rewarding to be able to do that. Um, another client is a company called Caraway Home. They make pots and pans for the kitchen, but they're, you know, I don't really do much cooking, but they're apparently incredibly high quality. I bought them for my mom for Christmas and they're nonstick. They're this, they're that. They're just, they're really high quality and they last forever. Super durable. Um, let's see, who else? Um these we work. Some...
0: Go this ahead. Pretty cool. Ah, oh, these are some pretty cool uh these are some pretty this is some pretty cool stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's another client called Genexa. They're based in Atlanta. Uh, but they also have offices in Miami and they sell children's medicine, but it's clean medicine. So their whole thing is that most of the medicine that we have today at Walgreens or CVS <clears> they have different ingredients in them that aren't particularly helpful and they strip out all of those and they're inventing this new category called cl- clean medicine yeah i've heard
1: of these are all these are all believe it or not Kevin these are people uh, who have come up on my Instagram feed in the last year like all well, of the ones you're describing so obviously you're
2: doing a good job well it's very appropriate you say that that's our target customer anyone who spends a lot of money on Facebook and Instagram they typically are a good client <laughs> for us. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I live, in, I live in the country, so it's hard, yeah.
1: to, you know, hard to go to a store. So Totally,
2: yeah. totally. Oh, but I'm telling sad. you, the, the roses for a special someone, keep that in your back pocket. And they're expensive, so you know, going to have to save up for it, but it, it's worth it.
0: I just, I just got my fiance an engagement ring, so that's enough <laughs> of an investment for me. Okay, now. well, you're good We're then. planning Congra- a wedding.
2: Congratulations she- on that.
0: Thank I you. think she
2: needs some roses too. I, I, I think she does too, Dan. I'm sorry, but I, the ring is one thing, but I think she's going to need. I got
0: her. so You want to hear this? Her birthday is the day after Valentine's Day. Oh, jeez Well, I will. And I, and I will admit, got to double our, down. Yeah. Well, our, our the flowers I bought her are still in our kitchen, and they're hanging on by a thread. Yes. Yeah. Well, good enough.
2: No, I, I, an idea for an idea for next year, Dan. Just keep it, like I said, no rush. Just keep it in your, in your arsenal. For sure. In your bag of tricks.
1: I just love, I love your enthusiasm about, <laughs> about SEO. It's, it's so important for, for business owners today. And it's also just really exciting to see, you know, six years isn't that long. No, And you are describing a turnaround that is uh, really astonishing. And I, so I hope folks that are that are listening really come to appreciate that because it's not as though you haven't put the elbow grease in. Yeah. Obviously, you haven't. Obviously, you've learned a lot. And, um, you know, so for so many of us, just being able to get clear heads and be able to attack these problems in the way that makes sense. You, you know, like you said, a lot of addicts and alcoholics, we are, we're pretty smart if you can put us in the right direction. Yeah. We can make it happen. And you're absolutely evidence of that.
2: So thank you for sharing that. With Th- us thank you. And I appreciate that. And some people might be, you know, one of my sponsees when he was feeling down, he said, you know, I get that you've had this transformation, but you were doing great before when you weren't sober, you know, you were already working at Google and like for people listening, that might have been true because I was always really driven to try to make it and, you know, do well in business. But what is night and day is how I feel internally. You know, mm. I I was just basically <clears throat> dead inside. I had no, I wasn't living. I was a slave to drugs and alcohol. And so that's the real big difference that you may not be able to see with your eyes, but that is certainly present, you know, for me on the inside. And, mm. and I was headed down a bad road. I might've been at a good company, but I wasn't contributing of any type of value. I was certainly on the list of, you know, soon to be fired. So it really is a big difference. Um, Because of that, but mainly, I feel like I want to be like Dan. At some point, I want to be engaged. At some point, I want to have kids. I know for a fact, I wouldn't be able to do that if I was drinking and using.
0: If you don't mind me asking, how old are you?
2: I'm thirty. Wow. Yeah, but I'm I'm still thirty in October. I'm still learning. I mean, I was—I just got out of a four-year relationship, and. you know, it just didn't work. And I thought in sobriety, Mm -hmm. everything works. You know, I had to re, I had to relearn that (laughs) just because I'm sober doesn't mean I'm always doing the right thing in my relationships. You know, I had to really examine that.
1: That's humbling. Yeah. humbling. The last podcast or a couple of podcasts ago, we were talking to with Frankie, I think that made it onto the tape, right? Dan, but we were talking about how dating is such a challenge in sobriety. They've got apps and stuff, but there's gotta be some kind of solution. Like it's impossible. Yeah, my that my sympathies be, to you
0: on that, friend. Mm-hmm. That would be such a good idea for a dating app. It there's really one already. Would.
1: There's one already, and it's not good. It's not. Is it like not good? Is As not, not, it called? No, it's. Oh, I don't like Sober Castle or something. It's it's. It looks the the UI looks like it came from 1996. Like it's, oh okay. It is brutal. <laughs> like no, you should
0: call it the Thirteenth Step.
1: Ah. Uh.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: No. <laughs> or the
0: 13th or the 13th step like app like app app i don't know <laughs>
1: <The> 13th stop <laughs> no yeah no that's it's it, that's really it's a really big challenge for sure so uh you're you're definitely not the only person to have brought that up so maybe there might be some some momentum behind that in the community one day
0: i just wanted to put that name out there though so just in case someone were to try and use it we could turn around and say, Hey, that's ours because, and we've said it already. Damn, that's exactly. So like, it's
1: not how that no. works at all.
0: I don't know, <laughs> but okay. Fuck it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm just giving you I a hard time. <laughs> who, who
2: knows? It might work. Who knows?
0: Um, <clears throat> so last thing before we go, what is, what is one piece of advice that you would share with someone That's listening to this now that is thinking about trying this recovery thing. That's thinking about whether or not I should get sober. And they're, you know, they found the sober highway Mm -hmm. and their first, and the first thing they listen to is you. What would you say to them?
2: Well, if they're lucky enough to have a friend in sobriety that they trust, I would say call that person. And just get to them because whatever they say, you know, if you already have a friendship with them, you, you'll probably listen, even if it's something you don't want to hear. That would be best case scenario and have them take you to a meeting. But for those people listening that are saying, I found the sober highway, but no one in my friend group or network at all is sober, kind of just out here on my own. I know I should be sober, but I don't know anyone. Um, I would encourage them to go to AA.org and find one in their area and just go on their own.
0: I've always been a big proponent of, I've always said it on our social media accounts that if you need help finding a meeting, mm-hmm. you know, to DM us on any of our social media accounts, Yeah, uh, we can help you find any type of meeting that you're looking for. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've had patients at our hospital that I've had, like, I, I, they have the smartphone on them. I'm like, just download this app. And wherever you are, you just hit find a meeting, and it'll tell you the nearest meeting, whenever or wherever it is. Yeah. So,
2: and that's tough to, to have the courage to go by yourself. So reaching out to someone who you know, or even you know, it, it is it's just the best <clears> way. But being willing to go to a meeting and say, "I just need some," I'm just here to check it out. You know, I need some. I just want to hear, and hopefully, you will hear something where uh, I learned that no one makes it into an AA room by accident. If you've gone to a meeting, there's probably a reason for it, you know? Um, All said. It's a, it's a rare place to end up for no reason. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not true. that fun at, at first. It just becomes fun. It becomes fun later, you know? I, I'm going to a meeting um, tonight, and I'm looking forward to it. And I can say that wasn't always the case by any means, you know? So it, it happens over time. Is that your home group that you're going to? No, this is a brand new one. I just got invited to um, a friend of mine said, I really, you know, I go here every Sunday at six o'clock. You should come. So I'm going to go check it out. See if I can meet some new people. Cool. Yeah. Sounds like fun. Yeah.
0: So I guess that will wrap it up for us. Thank you everybody for listening. And if you enjoyed the conversation Mm -hmm. today, you want to hear more about the sober highway. Um, you could check us out on anywhere where you normally get a podcast. All the main, nice. all the major podcasting apps. That's where you can find us. Um, go ahead and follow us on all of our social media accounts. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Get involved with our TikTok campaign to get AJ McLean of the Backstreet Boys on the Sober Highway. Oh, I'm actually. Whoa, whoa, whoa You're, whoa, you're whoa, gonna whoa. meet him.
2: Wait, wait, wait. You guys want him on this podcast? Mm-hmm. Yes, I know him. Get the fuck out. You do not. I swear, he's in AA with me. We go to the same meetings. I can, I can message him and see if he would come on here for you guys. Can we Kevin? send him
1: one of those fancy flowers? <laughs> Evan, <laughs> Evan,
2: don't, don't, Evan, don't play with me man. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not. I, I, I threw a surprise five-year for my, my – I can't believe this is happening – for my, my partner's birthday, and he came. He was there physically in person kevin i'm shaking <laughs> tell me more serious how long has this been going on how long have you guys well, been wanting to get in like a year
0: okay so Really? Yeah. <laughs> i used to a while back i started making tiktoks of like this is day one of me asking aj mclean to get on the so to come on the sober highway okay and i did it for like a month and then never the, the, the tiktoks never got anywhere so i kind of just stopped doing it and i you know i went on to like I've tried to find out like he's went to his tried finding his manager, his talent okay, agency, okay. And reaching out and going that way. Um, uh, I actually just had someone come. I had someone find me and was like, oh, my God, he's going to be at a convention in Connecticut. You should go and see if you can find him and ask him to be on the show that way. And so it's just like, all right, well, this is that, that's going to be my chance.
2: Yeah. Okay, if, well, I, I'm going to text him. I'm going to ask him uh, for you, and then oh we'll see. God. But no no promises. I don't know. That's okay. Uh, Who you know, We'll see what he oh says. Oh, my but, God. But I think he'll find it interesting that I was doing this, and then you guys just brought him up. And, yeah, I'll, I will ask him. Oh, my God. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God. Okay. All yeah. right.
0: So, anyway – We'll get back to the post roll. Okay. If you have, <laughs> if, you have <laughs> if you have any questions that you wanna ask KB and I, if or if you wanna be a guest on our show, uh, you can send us an email to thesoberhighway at gmail.com or you could DM us on any of our uh, social media accounts. KB, do you wanna plug your social st- also
1: yes indeed come follow me at war maiden underscore official on tiktok and on instagram and my book is coming out this summer so stay tuned because we've only got a few more months until that is ready to be published check it out on war and
0: kevin you want to plug any of your socials
2: yeah so my instagram is Miller time 421 and i've got a personal website that's just kevinmiller.com and that has linkedin and a bunch of other places where you can find me
0: All right, sounds good. Um, So that does it for this week's episode, and we will catch you next week. Bye, everyone.